You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. How many of you here are single? Okay. Okay, that changes a little bit of how I say things. No. Glad that you're here. I hope that you uh, can learn to build the right foundation. We're talking about strengthening your marriage. Let me just uh, start by saying this, and you know this, but let me restate it anyway. Everything that God does for us, every thought he has toward us is only love. Every correction is loving. It's for our best. Every conviction is loving and it's for our best. God doesn't condemn. Condemnation is the enemy. In Jesus, there's no condemnation. But there is loving conviction sometimes. There's God working with us to conform us, not only to the image of his son, but to build his principles in our life, because that's how we function best. You know, when he said, don't commit murder, in the Ten Commandments, don't kill, how many of you know that it's actually not really good relational interaction when you kill people? kind of ruins their whole day <laughs> and the rest of their life. And so God's, his, the things he says to us are not to restrict us, but to release us in good relationships. So we talk about marriage. We talk about strengthening your marriage. Let me give you just a quick review of this morning, and then we're going to read the word. Uh, I said that marriage is... Instituted by God, not by the government. Every government that has existed has always only acknowledged what already existed, which was what God instituted. And so God's ways for marriage are much more important. And as we understand that, we can build the right foundation. Ephesians chapter 5. I want to read this to you again. From verse 25, husbands, love your wives. Jesus Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He's putting that in the context of we can actually bring life. We can actually speak healing and restoration. Matt shared at the, uh, my son Matt shared at the elders, Oz elders this week, about relanguaging. That we need to actually agree with what God says. But life and death is in the power of the tongue. And we eat its fruit. Unfortunately, some of you are eating the fruit of speaking negatively to and about your spouse. You want to change it? Change how you speak. <laughs> Sorry, I, that, that, I got sidetracked. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. We're members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. And then he quotes Genesis. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. This is why the devil is attacking marriage, because your marriage, a Christian marriage, represents Christ and the church. It represents the whole purpose of history. God made man and made him in his image so he could have a relationship with him and so that he could rule, gave him dominion, because in the end of the book is a marriage feast of the Lamb. That was the goal. God knew exactly what he was doing. That was the goal, and the devil hates it. Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. <laughs> nevertheless, let each one of you, that nevertheless was there in the Bible. It wasn't because it was nevertheless that I was getting sidetracked. <laughs> let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let's, let the wife see that she respects her husband. So I said this morning, I read that for years, and it never jumped out on me. I just would read, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church, and wives love your husbands. And then I realized it doesn't actually say that. It says, let the wife respect her husband. And I got thinking about that. Why does he say that? I think what we need to realize is that women need love. Men need respect. He doesn't tell women to love their husband because love comes easy for women. Women are much more loving. They connect, connectivity. You guys go in the bathrooms and you connect and you talk. <laughs> Women, do you know that men don't talk in the, in the toilet? <laughs> ever. Uh, that's true. Well, almost ever. Now, that's so hard for women to grasp because you go in there and you, you talk and you're, it's just natural to connect. It's not natural for men to connect. That's true. <laughs> and so Jesus, recognizing that, says to men, love your wives. And then he says this to the, the wives. Respect your husbands. So I spoke this morning to the husbands of how to express love to your wife so she can hear. Two foundational things, and let me just remind you again of them. Two bigger picture things. One is that we're in this together. Yeah. Marriage is a covenant. We're in this together. And the two become one. And that's important that that's the foundation. That, that means, hey, we're going to work this out. We're going to grow in this. The second is love. Love is assume a positive intent and intend positively. Okay? The, with those foundations, we can then move on to communication. Men communicating love so that their wife can hear it. And women communicating respect so their husband can hear it. Okay, I gave you an acronym this morning to the men because men need those things. We don't remember as well. And the acronym was COUPLE, C-O-U-P-L-E. Closeness, openness, understanding, peacemaker, loyal, esteem. So if you didn't write that down, that was yours again. Did you make your wife sit right here in front <laughs> tonight? <laughs> but that's good. So I want to talk about how to express, express respect to him. Okay? I have an acronym for you, women. It's SLACS. S-L-A-C-S. Yes, I know SLACS has a K in it. 
It just didn't fit my thing. I just made this up. It's the best I could do. Just have grace. Okay, it, it's going to take grace for you to show respect to your husband. And so we're starting with grace right now by showing respect <laughs> to me for my terribly lousy acronym. But you'll remember this. Let me say this up front. Because there's no condemnation, realize that sometimes we just don't know what we don't know. And so as we learn, we just adjust. Doesn't mean we're bad. It just means that we don't know. And so we learn something. Women, let me set you free. I'm going to talk to you about respect and how you communicate that, that to your husband. Most of your men don't know this about themselves. I'm serious. We live in this realm of love, and we're uncomfortable sometimes with, with what's happening, and we can't articulate it because we've never actually said it, but there's something inside. And so some of your men are going to get set free because they're going to understand themselves this evening as well as you understanding them. So don't feel like you've been messing up. You're still with me? Okay. How to express respect to him so that he can hear it. The first one is serve and lead. Now by that I mean appreciate his desire to serve and lead. We talked a little bit this morning about the husband being the leader, not being over, but being the leader. When a husband tries to lead, you need to appreciate that. Something in so many women that says he can lead as long as he leads where I want to go. Now, women, understand this. Most men naturally feel that their wife is more spiritual. I'm being honest. We talk in relationship with Jesus in all these very uh, connectivity, love expressions, and men don't get it as well. And women, connection is what they do. And so we talk about connecting with Jesus, and Mary just does that so much better than I do. She hears God's voice. She has this sensitivity to the Spirit. We'll fly into a city, and she's aware of, of spiritual things. And I'm just saying, where, where can we get breakfast? <laughs> I'm totally oblivious. And so men naturally feel that women are more spiritual. So when he tries to lead and to serve, appreciate it and affirm it. Don't put him down. Don't tell him, why did you pray like that? Why don't you pray like Leo? <laughs> he knows how to pray. You immediately communicate disrespect. And what happens is that he stepped out, put his toe out, and you cut it off. And he pulls it back and never does it again. Yeah. <laughs> Do you affirm him when he prays? Do you appreciate his insight? When he show, shows something to you that he sees in the Bible, you say, yeah, I already knew that. What's taking you so long? <laughs> Cold water. Okay. <laughs> Almost all of my sermons come from my wife. 
she, she doesn't like to be in front and talk, but all the behind the scenes, she does all the, the studies. She's fantastic. So do you appreciate his desire to lead? Now, I don't know if I have time to, to go aside again. Why does God expect men to lead? Why does he expect men to lead? Is it because men are better at leading because they're not more spiritual? Is it because men are smarter? I'm not even close to the smartness of my wife. Is it because men have some greater? No. There's something else, and I want to tell you real quick. Just throw it out there real quick for you. And that is that we have a wrong conception. Timothy says that Eve was deceived, but Adam wasn't deceived, right? And we think Eve was the problem. She was deceived, and Adam wasn't. And I, for all, growing up my years in the church, had this image that Eve was there in the garden, and the, the serpent came along, and Adam was somewhere else. And the serpent deceived Eve, and she took this fruit, and she kind of took it over to Adam somewhere and said, hey, try this. She was deceived, but he wasn't. But if you read the story in Genesis, she was there, and she took the fruit and gave it to her husband who was with her. That's what it says. So here's the story. God made them, made Adam first and told them, don't eat from this. Made Eve. Adam passed on that information. He's standing there. The serpent comes and deceives her, and he's standing there with her. And she was deceived, and he wasn't. Who carries the blame? He does. That's what Timothy is saying. It's not saying she was at fault and he wasn't. It's just the opposite. She was deceived, but he wasn't. He was there with her. He knew what the devil was doing. He knew the temptation. He knew what God had said. And he stood there with his mouth closed and said nothing. Instead of stepping in front and protecting his wife and leading, he abdicated and sin entered the world. And we blame Eve. And it wasn't Eve. It was Adam. So because of that, I think God is saying, I'm, in making up for that, I'm teaching men how to lead for the sake of eternity. Not because they're better. Not because Adam was made first, but because Adam blew it. And we're paying for it for the rest of, of history. Because most of us know our wives are better leading than we are. It's easy to just sit back. Okay, I, that was the decide. Appreciate when they desire to serve and lead. Two is achieve. Appreciate his desire to work and achieve. Now, why do I say that? Because God made man to do something. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. God gave Adam a task before he gave him Eve. Yeah. There is something inherent in men that we were made to accomplish. Okay? You still with me? That's how God made us. And so there's something in men, this desire to achieve, to, to work and to achieve, because it's part of provision, it's part, but it's something within us that we want to, to make a mark. 
Do you appreciate that in your husband? Or do you criticize that? You should just be at home with us. Do you actually ever say, thanks for working? Thanks for providing. We're talking about expressing respect to your husband so he can hear it. Respect his desire to achieve. He has a need to provide and protect. Do you express an appreciation for that? Or do you ridicule? We're getting very, uh, very quiet in here. <laughs> Somebody say something. Let me put it in this context, and, and I'm going to step on some toes a little bit because I'm going to use an illustration. Sometimes illustrations kind of push the, the, the envelope a little bit to make a point. But when a man loses his job, for a woman to say, it's not important, we have each other, is like, not as bad, but it's like, a woman who has a miscarriage and the husband says, it's, it's not, not important, we have other children. I'm speaking to women about how to express respect to your husband. You need to understand that the way God's made him. Men need to understand the way God's made him <laughs> as well. Okay. SL, I put those together just because I had to have an acronym. A, achieve. See companion. Men need shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder time. I said this morning women need face-to-face -face time. They need to look in your eyes. Men, much more, it's just shoulder-to-shoulder. -shoulder. Being together doing things. We can play soccer. We can go to a game, and we don't have to have an intense conversation. It's just companionship. My son Andrew came over to my house once to watch a, a, a hockey playoff game. Ice hockey, and we have ice hockey. We have a TV down in the uh, the basement. He came in, as he walked in. I said hi, and he and I went downstairs, and we sat and we watched the ice hockey game. Didn't say a word. We didn't have a deep and meaningful. We didn't talk about every goal. We just sat there and watched ice hockey, and when it was all done, he said, "See ya." I said, "Great, thanks." <laughs> that was it. Women have no clue how that works, but men do. Men are going, yeah. What? We were together. We were doing something. Right? Men can sit and play video games. Right? And they're not having a discussion. It's not as women, the way women understand, it's not connecting, but it's companionship. So women, you just need to understand that. And sometimes you need to make an effort to be with him shoulder to shoulder. Just as you want him sometimes to be with you face to face. Okay? Sometimes it's going for a walk. Maybe occasionally watching football or whatever he does. Okay? Whatever he does, you can say, hey, I can do that. You don't have to do it all the time. You know? But you've got other stuff to do, and I understand. But just occasionally, say, let's do this. We were watching the, the Super Bowl football, American football. And, and it, wonderful, there's a big thing. And 
You don't want in the middle of watching the Super Bowl, your wife says, what, what do you think about that? What about this? Well, what about that person? I wonder what his wife's like. Wait, I'm watching the game. <laughs> you with me? Okay. S-L-A-C companion. S-sex. Yeah, we're going to get to that. We're talking about expressing respect so your husband can hear it. Appreciating his sexual desire for you is respect. You need to understand your husband has a physical need for sex. That's how God made him. Woman's more of an emotional need. I think it goes like this. God made man with a desire to achieve. And man can get so focused on the task that he doesn't connect relationally. And God made man with a desire occasionally. He has to have sex. His testosterone levels rise. He, he gets horny. He's looking for, for something. I think that's a simply a reminder. You need to connect. Right? Why did God make it that way? He didn't have to, but he did. Why? Women, you need to appreciate that his sexual desire is for you. A wife was talking to her mother who'd been married for 47 years. A new, new bride. She said, he always wants sex. I think we should only have sex when I'm ready and I want it. And this, this wife's mother said, why would you deny him something that takes so little time and makes him so happy? <laughs> it's appreciating the fact that God has made him the way he has. All you singles, just put up with it. You see more of this, this kind of stuff on TV, so... Understand this, without sexual release in marriage, he feels disrespected. Now let me say that again. God created sex for marriage. Because there is not just a connecting, there is a soul tie that takes place. That God intended, when he says the two will become one, not just one flesh, but as one soul. And there's a soul tie that takes place. And when we have sex outside of marriage, we're giving part of our soul to somebody. It's like if I took two pieces of paper and I uh, taped them together. And then when I try to pull them apart, the tape's stronger than the paper. And part of the paper gets ripped and it leaves some on the other side. When there is a soul tie, there is something connected. And when you, sep when you separate that, something is left. And you're left with less. Sex outside of marriage is not something that has no consequence. Because of how God made us. He made us for that to connect us. You're still with me. See, woman feels you have to be close, connected to have sex. 
for a man, sex brings you close. I'll say that again because some of you need to write that down. <laughs> Woman feels you have to be close to have sex. Remember, one light out is out, all the lights are out, everything's connected. <laughs> the closeness, the connectivity, all that kind of stuff for men. One light's out, all the rest are still burning. <laughs> you still with me? You, you got that from this morning. I think that's why God made him with a physical need for sex. It's a reminder in the midst of activity and accomplishment that this is what's important. So appreciate it. Never use sex as a tool to manipulate your husband. It's communicating disrespect. Now, when I tell you, a lot of men don't understand that they need respect. And so he'll feel un something, but he won't be able to articulate what it is. Now he will, because I've just made you aware that it's actually respect. But I'm serious. Most men don't understand what I'm telling you. There's something inherent, because men tend to function well in the, the realm of honor and respect. There is something about men being together, honoring one another, uh, companions, you know, disrespect gangs or I said this morning, you know, the whole uh, West in the U.S. where the, everyone had guns and somebody would say, you know, bump somebody, you know, draw iron. You know, it's, it's all about respect and honor. For women, it's all about connectivity, closeness and love. So we just need to understand that. So, what's the opposite of respect? This doesn't fit in my acronym. Slacks O didn't didn't make a good uh, acronym. S L A C S O, the opposite of respect. So just put this outside the acronym. But what is the opposite of respect? Comparison is the opposite of respect. When we make a comparison, our husband to someone else, spiritually, why aren't you as hungry for God as Leon? You know, there, there is a, a comparison, and it communicates disrespect. It's the opposite. Or in provision, how come we don't have as much money as the people next door? You're shooting yourself in the foot, woman, because you want him to express love and closeness and openness. What's the opposite of respect? Contempt. When he tries to pray and you roll your eyes. None of you ever do that, right? <laughs> I, I used to wonder, I used to think they made a class for women in rolling your eyes. <laughs> or to sigh. <sighs> now, not every sigh is content, but you understand. Communication, real quick, is 56% visual 
39% voice and inflection, and 7% words. That's what communication experts tell you. That's why the worst communication in the world is texting. Mary's sister could come and visit. Mary comes tell me, my sister's coming to visit. And I could say, oh, boy. <laughs> or I could say, oh, boy. <laughs> Said exactly the same words and communicated the exact opposite. How often do we say, but I didn't say that. Oh, yeah, but you communicated 93%. Visual voice and infection said, I don't want her to come. But I can hide behind the fact that I said, oh, boy. Right? I really do like her sister. And so it's, that's for the tape. <laughs> I really do. I'm glad that she's coming. What's the opposite of respect? Criticism. Now, let me let you in on something. To a woman, criticism is loving. It's helping someone be better. They're used to helping kids and criticizing, not, not in a negative sense, but, you know, hey, don't do that like that. Do that like this, and, and you should do this. And, and to a man, well, to a woman, it's loving. To a man, it's disrespectful. See, you can mother your kids, but not your husband. That's disrespect, criticism. That doesn't mean we're perfect, and it means the two are one, and there's times when my wife has to say, hey, you know, maybe you could have said that a little bit this way. And I'm, hopefully, we're in this together, and I'm mature enough to say, hey, tell me what you think. You know the saying when your wife asks you, do these pants make me look fat? <laughs> Don't answer. <laughs> you can't win. But there is a time when I say, hey, give me your input. Okay, but criticism is to a man disrespectful. So you have to be very careful how you do that. Women, let me make you aware of this. Most affairs begin with respect and honor, not with sex. If a man feels disrespected at home and he goes to work and his secretary thinks he does a great job and is constantly affirming him and he feels respected and he feels honored, you've set him up don't send them out the door feeling disrespected. There is a ploy of the enemy to destroy marriages. And we need to be smart enough to realize. We don't want to give place to the devil. Most affairs don't begin with sex. They begin with respect and honor. The secretary who thinks he does a great job. Someone else who thinks he's wonderful. Someone else who tells him he's attractive when all you ever tell him is he's got a fat stomach. 
And why doesn't he exercise more? Will you bow your head? No condemnation, but learning and growing and saying, Holy Spirit, show me. I dealt with the men this morning. Men, where you've communicated that something that isn't loving, then you need to change. But women, where you've been communicating something that isn't respectful, you also need to, to acknowledge it and repent. Repent doesn't mean beat yourself, but just means admit it and quit it. Ah, I didn't realize that. I do now. I'll change. Take a moment. It's the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. We're in this together. I want to encourage you. God is for you and for your marriage. He instituted marriage. He has enough love and grace to flow through you and make you a strong Lasting marriage that will be a, li a light in a dark world. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you do. Thank you for breaking chains, for tearing down strongholds where we've accepted the ways of the world rather than the, your ways. We just turn from that right now. Where we've developed habits based on our hurt and insecurity, we turn from that right now where we've allowed our communication to misrepresent you and your ways, we turn from that right now. Lord, I just again ask for supernatural strengthening of marriage in this evil day. Supernatural. A work of grace as much as when you come on us holy spirit and we fall to the floor under the power of god your grace would break into relationships and have that same supernatural effect where there has been broken relationships that you would bring restoration where there has been difficulty that you would smooth that over and that there would be something be, being reestablished in jesus name thank you holy spirit doing what only you can do. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.